0: Welcome to the Wake and Take podcast. On today's show, we recap the Minnesota Vikings 2020 season. We go through some of the position changes, some of the big news that broke earlier this week, and we kind of get ready and flip the page to, to to 2021 Minnesota Vikings. Then we talk gopher hoops and around the NCAA. We talk Wolves, and then we wrap the show with a
1: rambling Ricky. There is a house in New Orleans,
2: they call the rising sun, and it's been a ruin of many a poor boy, and God,
1: I know I've won.
0: And welcome to the show, fellas. Another unannounced break, but uh, we're back. We're better than ever. Uh, I, I don't know if we want to start calling these by seasons. We've never done that uh, in the year and whatever, one, year and three months we've been doing this podcast now. Uh, but if it is a season, this is basically season three, fellas. So, So welcome back and welcome to season three. Season
3: 2021.
0: Yeah, there we go. And fellas, a lot to talk about since we've been gone. A lot of Vikings stuff to talk about. Obviously, season doesn't finish the way any of us wanted it to uh, in terms of missing the playoffs. And it's, again, back to this every other thing, every other year thing uh, with Mike Zimmer and this Minnesota Vikings team. And now news broke yesterday that it looks like we're going to lose our offensive coordinator and Gary Kubiak. Uh, Sources out of The Athletic and Tom Pelissero also reporting uh, that Kubiak is likely to retire now after this season or following the season now. And now it's going to be likely our sixth offensive coordinator in six seasons uh, for Mike Zimmer and the sixth play caller in six seasons uh, for Kirk Cousins. I mean, another hurdle going into the off season for a team that, you know, has a lot of talent and they have a lot of good players at important positions, but interior, this team is just really struggling. And when you're losing Your coordinator for the sixth year in a row. Granted, some of those guys were hired and basically promoted to offense or to to head coaching positions, and some of them were fired. Uh, But still, again, you're going back and you have to build from inside. And BG, we're going to go through this Vikings team in the next couple of months, building up to the NFL draft and really focus on each different position group. Uh, But going into this offseason, where do you think this Minnesota Vikings team needs to start?
4: Well, first, I think you kind of alluded to it, but it, in my opinion, it feels like we're kind of in a simulation right now of that every single Viking season ends the same way. It's every other year we make the playoffs, and in those other years we don't, and it's a disappointing season. And it seems like Mike Zimmer is kind of always on that hot seat, or at least the warm seat, about whether he's going to keep his job. But then the people around him just leave Minnesota um, because they have good careers here in the past. Or, like you said, Kubiak is now retiring. So six seasons in a row, uh, Zimmer's going to have to find a new guy, like you said. And, well, I think it's it sucks for Zimmer to have to continuously look out for somebody to replace the guys he's kind of brought up and got ingrained in the system and then have to go out that revolving door, which is too bad. But um, I think this offseason is going to be huge. We have some big holes to fill, obviously on the defense, um, on the offense too, and just coaching staff. Like you said, um, I think that Minnesota is a really enticing spot for coaches with the potentially the best running back in the league, Delvin Cook, potentially the best wide receiving duo in the league, and we have good quarterback. Um, so I, I hope that we do not rush into this. I'm sure we won't, but I hope we don't take the guys who are on the trading block now we kind of hold off and let guys come to us and just see who we can get, because I think this is a really enticing opportunity um, and a good organization to go to rather than some of the other places that have openings now.
0: Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, and you'll see some of the the media folks from the Vikings and just reading through some of the comments on their stories where fans are reacting to, to the news about Kubiak retiring, you know, some fans will say, Oh, this is a horrible place. Why would anyone want to come? Uh, play or work under Mike Zimmer, you know, you're restricted in your play calling abilities. He's going to tell you, you have to run the ball X amount of times a game and you're playing and you're working rather under a defensive minded head coach. But, but the way I look at it is, yeah, you've had six offensive coordinators in the last six years. Two of them have gotten head coaching jobs. And one of them was Kevin Stefanski one year as an offensive coordinator. And he's, you know, then hired as the Browns off as Browns head coach. And now look at what he's doing with them there. And the other guy, Pat Shermer, hired as the Giants head coach. Obviously, that didn't work out. I would like to see him come back, actually. And we'll get into some of the candidates for that um, OC position in just a second here. Uh, But that's two guys right there in the last six years who've been hired as head coaches in the NFL, which is really hard to do. And that's a credit to Mike Zimmer. And that's a credit to this Minnesota Vikings team. If you come here and you're a good offensive coordinator, there's a high likelihood that you're going to get a head coaching job. And it's been shown. It's been proven with Schirmer, and with Stefanski. And so that, that I think, is a reason to come here. I think the things that you mentioned, uh, obviously you have a quarterback, you have the best running back in the league, and then you got Justin Jefferson on the outside, the best young receiver in the league, just broke uh, the rookie receiving record uh, since the Super Bowl era. I was reading that some dude had like 70 more yards than him in 1960. Uh, Unbelievable. I think he played for Houston. Uh, I can't believe that happened, but uh, the record books say, Second all-time of the NFL, but but first in the Super Bowl era uh, for most rookie receiving yards for Justin Jefferson. But still, there, there's a lot of talent on this offensive side of the ball. Yes, the offensive line is a nightmare, and that's a big, big hole to fill on this Vikings team. The biggest, in my mind, maybe the defensive line, but when you look at the guys coming back next year with Michael Pierce in 99, that, that's not going to be a hole anymore. I mean, that's going to be a strength of this team. If everyone stays healthy, you get a foddy back, hopefully, and then that that defensive line is right back. They are right back to a Zimmer defensive line. And that's where this, this team and this defense really starts with. Getting pressure from the front four, if they can do that, the defense will be fine. The defense will be absolutely fine. So in my mind, the biggest hole on this team is the offensive line. And that's really the only reason why I would say some coach wouldn't want to come here. But I, I really don't think that's going to be the case uh, for any offensive coordinators. That are going to potentially be hired this season. And I don't think there's any red flags to say that why why wouldn't you come to Minnesota? I mean, look at what's happened. Yeah, there's been a couple of guys fired, D. Filippo and Turner. D. Filippo was just terrible. I mean, he was just not a good offensive coordinator. wasn't going to work with this team. Wanted to run shotgun and throw it all over the field. That's not going to work with a Mike Zimmer team. You need the right guy, and I think there's a bunch of them out there. Uh, so BG, let's go through this list. And Andy, I know you have a couple guys as well. Uh, So I'll give my takes on on a couple of these different coaches who could end up getting that O.C. job. And then you guys can uh, provide comments on that. So let's go. Clint Kubiak, first one. And this is the obvious choice in in my mind and for a lot of Vikings fans. I think and and some Vikings fans are definitely going to be pissed about this if he gets hired. In my mind, when he gets hired, I think it's almost certain, at least in my mind, that the Vikings will go with Kubiak. Uh, just because his dad. His dad had the job, Gary, obviously for this last season. He was a special advisor to the offense a season before that and helped Stefanski really do what he did with that Vikings team and then ultimately getting that head coaching job. I think Kubiak was – Gary was kind of getting Clint ready for this, and there might have been some sense that eventually he was going to take over, and maybe that was part of the deal before Kubiak even came to Minnesota, that his son would take over that role – when he left and now he is leaving. And so I think the only knock on Kubiak though on Clint is he's 33 years old and Zimmer has shown that he likes getting older coaches. He likes the experience um, that, that older coaches in the NFL has. Uh, And when you look at the trend of the NFL right now, hiring young offensive minds to take over your football team, the Vikings are really zigging when everyone else is zagging right now. We're going with the old guy, the defensive minded head coach, and he's hiring old guys defensive guys, and sometimes, you know, guys he's worked with, a lot of times guys he's worked with in the past, and Gary Kubiak was one of those guys, and I think that mold that's transferred down to Clint Kubiak could fit this Vikings team very well and give this offense a little bit more continuity than you'd have uh, when you hire somebody from the outside who wants to bring in a new system again, who wants to bring in other stuff, whereas you can just go with Clint. You can keep running the same offense you ran this last season and try to build on that. I mean, he's been the offensive, or rather the quarterback's coach for us for the last two years, and coincidentally, they've been Cousins' best two years, uh, at least when you look at the last half of this season for Cousins. He's had two pretty good years here in Minnesota. Yes, the first six games were a nightmare for Kirk, but he finished really strong. He finished with 35 touchdowns after the bye, I think like 8.3 yards per attempt. I mean, those are really good numbers for a quarterback, and and Kirk and this offense wasn't the reason we missed the playoffs. It wasn't the reason we went seven and nine. I digress. Clint Kubiak would be a good uh, option for this Minnesota Viking team and the best option in my mind.
4: Yeah, yeah, I think it's an, an intriguing choice. Um, I'm sure I'm confident that there were some discussions behind closed doors about, okay, we're just getting this plan in place. Uh, Gary Kubiak, that is when I retire, my son is going to take the role. And if not, if he's already been included in that this past season, the second half of this past season, we may not know. But I feel I'm. I feel very confident that it's already been in the works, that Kubiak wouldn't have retired or come to this place without having that trans um, transition between him and his son and just having that relationship with Zimmer um, and Zimmer not having to go out there and found, find a new guy. I think that's huge. And I'm all for having a young offensive coordinator. Like you said, we're zagging when everybody else in the league is zigging. And, you know, it's great to have a veteran and an experienced coach like Mike Zimmer is to control players. Um, and he calls the defense, too. And he's just an enforcer, and all-around type of guy. But to have a young offensive coordinator, somebody who could be a player's coach to the offensive guys and a younger role model for the future of this Minnesota Vikings team, I think that's the way we should go. I really don't want us to hire one of Zimmer's old pals who's been in the league for 20 years and is just going to continue to do what they found success doing 15 years before then. But the game is changing, like we all see, like it is in many sports, like the NBA too. So I just hope that – I think Clint would be an intriguing option, and I I would be fine with it, especially because we're not rehauling our offense. At least I would assume that. Uh, with kubiak son taking the roles, we wouldn't rehaul the offense. And we definitely wouldn't need that with an offense that put up just around 30 points per game this season against a very tough schedule. Um, But putting in different little spices and different unique things with the younger mind um, for the next generation of NFL that we could sprinkle into this Vikings team with the weapons we have, I think that could be a good choice for the Vikings. Um, And like I said before, I think it's just time to sit back and, and see who's on the table to begin with.
0: Yeah, and like you mentioned, a a lot of the staff too, the position coaches. What all if Kubiak, if Clint Kubiak is hired as your offensive coordinator, a lot of those guys are going to stay. If not everybody on this offensive staff will stay, and maybe that's not a good thing if you look at how the offensive line has been the last couple of years with Rick De- uh, Rick Denson as the offensive line coach. But he he's another option, another name that's been floated out there uh, by the Vikings media as a guy who could take this spot. I, I wouldn't hate it being Rick Denson if we kept Clint Kubiak as our quarterback's coach. If you lose Kubiak, though, I mean, I, I just feel like uh, Kirk has had two really good seasons uh, playing uh, for Kubiak. And why would you break that up? This this offense is not the reason. Like you mentioned, they're scoring 30 points a game. This offense is not the reason we, did, we didn't get to the playoffs this year. We're at high-efficiency offense. I mean, yes, there was times where they were, looked terrible, especially some of the the late-game you know, clock management scenarios at the end of halves where where they completely fell apart. But how much of that can you put on the offensive coordinator? And, I mean, that has to be a focus in my mind uh, for Kirk Cousins going into this offseason is learning how to manage those games. If that's watching film, watching guys like Tom Brady and the greats, how they operate at the end of games and how they march their team down the field, whatever it is, Kirk needs to get better at that. Because at the end of the day, if there's a minute left and we're trying to go down the field, how much can your offensive coordinator – coordinator really helped you. I mean, that's a heat of the moment type situation where you're just running up the line and you're making a decision. Are we spiking the ball? Are we calling a timeout? Are we getting a quick out? What are we doing? I mean, those are the situations that separate elite quarterbacks from Kirk Cousins because Kirk Cousins looks elite at times, but you know, there's a, there's a ways to go for him again. He wasn't the problem. Uh, BG, a couple of the other uh, names that have been floated out there. Uh, Anthony Lynn, the former chargers coach now who was fired on Monday uh, that would be a guy that you mentioned, it, it, one of his old pals, one of Zimmer's old pals who he's worked with. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't like that hire at all. I really wouldn't. Yeah, he was a running back in the NFL. He gets it, a run-first type guy. He might be a good fit, at least uh, in theory, in terms of how he likes to run the offense. But, again, you're bringing in another guy. You're bringing in probably all new position coaches and all new offensive staff, and you're just ruining all the continuity that you built up over this season. Uh, even throughout the turmoil that has been or that was 2020. The Vikings offense wasn't that bad. Another name that's been floated around, Hugh Jackson, uh, who's been out of the NFL, I believe, for two years now after being fired uh, from the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Another guy who I just don't know why you would do that. Uh, Another name, Jay Gruden, who who is the current coordinator uh, of the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. Who knows if he's still going to have that position um, after the – Little, um, at, who who's their coach that got fired in Jacksonville?
4: Um, Doug Marone. Doug Marone, Marone yeah. thank you.
0: After Marone was fired, who knows if Gruden's still going to have that spot. Uh, so that's another name that's been floated by Vikings media is Jay Gruden. Another hire that I would absolutely hate. Um, Andy, I know you got a couple names in mind too.
3: Yeah, I got a, you know, you're talking about Ziggin while others are Zaggin. Yeah. I think, uh, if you want to commit to Dalvin Cook and just totally give up on Kirk Cousins, you go full bore with Jeff Monkin, the head coach of the Army Black Knights. Led his team to a nine and three record this year. His team averaged six point three attempts per game uh, and rushed for an average of over three hundred yards a game. Uh, so basically, just giving the Dalvin, Dalvin the Rock every play, every play, just controlling the ball, controlling time of possession. They only gave up 14 points a game, and that wasn't because of their great defense. Uh, and then on top of all that, he, he coached Army. He knows how to discipline players. I mean, he, 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 I'm sure he runs a tight ship with that offense. So that's my uh, that's my wild card, at least for the Vikings. Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> I, I mean, as much as I would love to see... That's a hot take. It's a very hot take. <laughs> it, it's sizzling hot. As much as I would love to see Dalvin get the ball 50 times a game, I just don't know if he could hold up, like he's barely making it through 16 game seasons and he's not even playing all 16 games. I, 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 just don't think he'd hold
3: up very long. <laughs> oh yeah. And I mean, you can trade away all your great assets like Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson for just a scout offensive line and just, um, yeah, I mean just commit to the run and, see how it goes you know, turn the clock back 100 years
0: yeah i don't i don't hate it it's an intriguing idea <laughs> and if you're going to pick a head coach in the nfl that would do that it's mike zimmer
3: yeah oh yeah <laughs> i do know, it sounds uh, like- I, I, I do i do like anthony limbo i think you look what you did with justin herbert this year uh and you made him into you know probably the best definitely the best rookie quarterback this year um, definitely has the most upside of all the the rookie quarterbacks drafted, uh, and probably I mean the most upside of any quarterback draft in the past couple of years, besides Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, maybe. I mean, uh, if you want to try to make Kirk Cousins good and efficient, um I think you look at how Justin Herbert jumped into that starting role, and you know the the Chargers' defense was terrible last this year. Um, I mean, he wasn't the uh, Justin Herbert wasn't the reason that they were down six points, trailing 45, 39 with a minute to go with, uh, with no timeouts. Um, I think of all the, the people you named that you were kind of thrown to the side and so then actually be, uh, the best option out of them.
0: Yeah. I, I don't disagree. I, I mean, it's, I, I don't know how much you, you really credit, um, Lynn with with Herbert. I think Herbert's is an exceptional talent, and he could have done that with any head coach in my mind. I mean, yes, there's there certainly some things that Anthony Lynn, and you got to give him some credit, but, I mean, Herbert's a phenomenal talent, and he was going to put up stats, at least in my mind, anywhere he went, and he's just exceptional. The, watching the ball come out of his hand is just so funny. He's got a beautiful spiral, and so I, I don't know how much you can really credit, oh, Anthony Lynn made Justin Herbert. He, he really helped him develop. I, I don't know how much I really buy into that. Uh, but I do think the schemes fit well. Uh, they both learned under Shanahan. I mean, uh, Zimmer pretty much only hires people that have either worked with or have some relationship with any either of the Shanahans. So I, I could see it. I could see it. And I don't hate Anthony Lynn as a hire, but I, I just don't get why you'd completely overhaul this offense that was uh, effective this season and efficient and not the reason, and rather a reason that they should have made the, the playoffs if this defense wasn't as bad as they were.
3: Any- yeah, i guess i i guess to 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 leave it off on that i mean i'd compare the the Chargers receiving core to um, to the Vikings i mean i i think definitely Thielen and and Jefferson are are better but i think you look at how herbert used how Lynn used herbert um and allowed him to you know throw the ball deep whenever he wanted and you know trust his guys like Keenan Allen and Mike Williams to go make the catch i mean i think you know, part of that's the quarterback, and part of that's the coach putting them in that that position and giving them the confidence to to make those throws. Um, and I think uh, I think that would be the best. I think that I I think Lynn would be the best offensive coordinator for Kirk Cousins because that's really what you're trying to improve with an offensive coordinator. You I know, mean, they're not going to improve the offensive line that much. That comes with signing free agents or or, or making moves in the draft. Um, I mean, if if you if you really want to improve the offense, you're going to have to improve. Kirk Cousins efficiency. And, um, I think of all the guys you need Andrew Lynn is, is the one to do it. Yeah. Yeah.
4: I think, I think one thing that would be kind of difficult for Lynn just going off that though, is Lynn did like, like we were talking about before, maybe it was Lynn who did this or he was at least part of the solution, but, um, kind of, uh, shaping Justin Herbert into the quarterback that he is now potential rookie of the year, unbelievable rookie quarterback. You can do that with, a quarterback coming out of college, but Kirk Cousins, who's been in the league for, I don't know, eight years, and is kind of getting into the veteran stage, I think that's much harder to do, uh, to kind of change and shift what the quarterbacks, um, the core competencies are in the NFL. Uh, He's been in the NFL for eight seasons because of the way he's played, and I know a lot of the times it's not ideal, but he's gotten through and has had some actually stellar seasons with the Minnesota Vikings. If you look at the numbers um, and he's been surrounded by injuries, bad defense coaches change coaching changes. But um, I think it's just something to keep in mind when you compare the rookie Herbert to cousins, who's been around the league different teams and seen a thing or two.
0: Yeah, certainly, certainly a lot to take into account there and we'll see, we'll see how long it takes for the Vikings to hire an offensive coordinator. My full endorsement, uh, as probably obvious, is Clint Kubiak. I mean, I would love to see them keep it in-house, keep this Vikings offense, at least this offensive coaching staff together, give them another year. And I think if Zimmer flops again next season and the Vikings don't make the playoffs, the defense is bad again, and you can really pinpoint it on him, then, yeah, he's gone. Then clean house, start over, rebuild around Justin Jefferson and hopefully 99. And, and just start from the ground and start, start, start fresh. Trade everything away. Build around your young stars and see what happens. But in my mind, this team and this coaching staff has shown us enough over the last couple seasons to give them another shot and, and to give this team another go, see what they can do with 99 back on the field helping out that defense and see what they can do when they're healthy and with a full offseason to train up you know the rookies who were who so effective for us this season. See what those guys can do with a full offseason under their belt. See what the next class of rookies can do. Rick Spielman has proven he can hit boomers uh, on the draft night, and he's done that a couple of times in his career. We get another great night uh, out of Rick Spielman and this Vikings you know, front office and, and drafting players like they did last season. We're right back in it. We're right back in it as a, as a contender in my mind, and there's too much talent, and they've shown too much to really strip it all away at, at this point. But things could change. Uh, a lot could change over the next couple months as we move closer to the NFL draft, and we'll keep an eye on all of that. And we're going to go through all the positions here leading up to the draft and break down who needs to stay, who needs to go. Uh, and there'll be certainly a lot to talk about with this Vikings team. Let's move on to around the NFL here, uh, fellas. I'll start with this. If any of you guys were watching the Sunday night game, I could not believe that the Eagles took out Jalen Hurts in the, I think it was the end of the third quarter maybe going into the fourth quarter um I, I don't know if they just were trying to lose the game uh that could have been the case but but he was playing good and I, I feel like he's their quarterback for the future uh at least in my mind and I don't know why you take Hertz out in that third quarter he was rolling pretty good and just giving him more NFL experience is always a good thing uh for young quarterbacks in you know, in the NFL and they they put in Sudfeld and I don't know if you guys were watching this game, but it looked like he looked like a JV quarterback, like the backup JV quarterback gets pulled up to varsity for some night because three guys are down or something. And he just looked so out of place. He was getting sacked. He was throwing picks. He was fumbling. I mean, it was, it was a complete joke. And uh, Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth couldn't believe it either.
4: Yeah, I didn't see the yeah, game. I was watching that. Go oh, ahead, that BG. <laughs> All right, BG, go. Um, I didn't, see, I didn't see the game, but I obviously heard about what happened um, and the Giants fans and the Giants players tweeting about it and getting pissed for obviously a right reason. But I did see Doug Peterson's interview after the game, and it just looked like a criminal who was in the interrogation room, and he knew he was guilty, and everybody around him knew he was guilty, but he was still denying it. Um, of why they put the third stringer in. I don't even know his name. But yeah. it's just pretty clear to see that, I th- in my opinion at least, that they wanted to get that loss um, to improve their um, numbers in the off-season and the draft for the time to come. But it was just ridiculous, honestly, him trying to deny it and say, yeah, well, we had a plan to put him in the game. Um, you should go into every game trying to win. And I know J.J. Watt is outspoken about that. And I'm with them there, but it was just kind of embarrassing to watch uh, the Eagles coach lie to everybody about that.
3: Yeah, and I think you know, for all the uh, all the Giants players on Twitter, you know, all pissed about the Eagles, you, you Giants, you went six and ten. You can't be you can't be mad about a team's during a game so you can get a chance at the playoffs when you're six and ten. Okay, have a winning record and then you know, come to me with your grievances but you're six and 10. Like just you're six and 10. Don't be complaining. Your team sucks. The whole NFC sucks. Just sit down. the East.
0: Yeah. But, that, um, <laughs> that's a fair point. I mean, <laughs> I didn't really think about it like that, but yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, there, there's nothing that they can say like, Oh, we should be in the playoffs. No, you shouldn't. You're six and 10. Nobody from the end of, I mean, honestly, there should be a rule. If you go under 500, you can't make the playoffs. Like there should not be an automatic, you know, you're you're six and you're six nine and one. You win your division. No, you don't get into the playoffs. Screw that. that. That's a stupid rule. Um, Zachary, let's bring you in here. I know you you had some Derrick Henry news you wanted to share.
1: Uh yeah, I did. Uh, I think for one, Andy might have dropped out the chat. Um, oh. just so you know, if you might need to let him back in. Uh, but two, yeah, I think that was. Probably the high, or the biggest storyline, I thought, coming out of um, the week, aside from all the teams that made the playoffs um, that last week, like the Browns and um, I know Tennessee and Colts, they had to oh, – no, Tennessee didn't have to win. The Colts had to win. Um, those are some big uh, big storylines for sure. But I thought this was the biggest side storyline. Um, Derek Henry, He going into the game, he needed like 227 rushing yards, I think, to be the eighth person all time to go over – Eighth running back all-time to go over 2,000 yards, and he went for 250. Um, and I think it, it. by the sounds of it, I didn't see any of the game. I just heard about it on the radio after, um, and I couldn't believe I was hearing it. It sounded like they needed every yard of it. They won uh, on a last-second field goal, mm-hmm. and he became the first guy ever to lead the Triple Crown in the NFL, which is for FL, NFL running backs is uh, running yards, running carry, uh, carries, and touchdowns. Uh, two years in a row. He first guy oh. to ever do that, so um, I think that's pretty pretty unbelievable. He's he's the next big thing. Uh, Peterson, it, it, there's an article on ESPN, and Peterson talks about how in this uh, he had talked about it earlier in the year how he's, he knows he's the real deal. Uh, Derrick Henry, he became the second guy ever um, to, inc- along with Charles Davis, to go for 1,900 yards at least in a season and 15 rushing touchdowns. Um, and so he just had a monster year, and so I think that's it's going to be an awesome playoff game. I think that's the. I don't know if we want to do playoff picks or what the what we're going to do for that. If I had to say one one game to watch, it's that I cannot miss. It's Ravens uh, Titans. It's a rematch from last year's playoffs. Lamar's their Ravens are hotter than ever, and um, Derrick Henry is hotter than ever. But I, I think that's just going to be a great game. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm with you there. And the other game we were talking about before we started was Bears and Saints, um, other side on the NFC side. But that game is going to be broadcast on Nickelodeon. Uh, So that'll be uh, just an interesting broadcast. Not necessarily a great football game, but it'll be interesting.
1: You know, when I'm watching iCarly, all of a sudden, oh my goodness, the Saints game's on that. How (laughs) does that get any better?
4: (laughs) Yeah, I don't
3: know. The (laughs) the reports are
1: that...
4: The
3: reports are too that they have a um, special uh, slime special effects lined up, so that players is are awesome. gonna get a uh, players are gonna get slimed. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> or, I, I, I don't know if it's gonna be for score of touchdown or for, I mean maybe an offensive lineman who gives up a sack or has a holding call on him, but <laughs> they're gonna have sl- <laughs> what a
1: what, what, what a better group of group of guys to to represent. Yeah, to represent a, a kids' kids show, kids' program like that, than the New Orleans Saints, right, though? <laughs> gotta love that.
4: Yeah, Why good clean football,
1: those? good yeah. morals and ethics on that team. Good yeah. guys, yeah. Everything kids should look up to in the New Orleans Saints. New Orleans. Um, yeah, I hope the Bears beat them by 100.
0: Yeah. All right, Zach, <laughs> we, we got an assignment for you. You have to watch the Nickelodeon broadcast because I know there, <laughs> there's going to be two different broadcasts of that game. Uh, I, I, it might be on Amazon Prime, the other one, but we need you to watch the Nickelodeon broadcast and report back on it. Like what, what, what the hell they do. And if it's cool or not, I I am, it's not going to be cool, but maybe you'll like it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I think I'll, I'll really enjoy that. Um, I'll definitely watch that. And and if the saints, if the saints are blowing them out and Sean Payton starts to really piss me off or Kamara starts to piss me off and I'll just let you know, I'll shut the game off, but I'll (laughs) for sure. Start. If I'm watching the game, it'll be on Nickelodeon. I can assure you that.
0: Perfect. Perfect. It's hilarious that, the NFL, you know, they're trying to appeal to a younger audience, so they, they decide to put their game on Nickelodeon and add slime. Uh, yeah, great, great
3: marketing concept, fellas. Uh, genius. They, yeah, they're they're genius. not. They're not trying to appeal to young kids. That I think uh, Nickelodeon just just had a lot of uh, had a lot of cash to give to them. <laughs> well, I yeah, I, was,
0: honestly. I heard somebody talking about it a couple weeks ago on uh, I believe it was part of my take. And I, that was the objective behind it. That's why they're, they're – because they're, the under-25 demographic, I guess, is, is not very good uh, for the NFL, at least in terms of historic, uh, historically how, how the numbers should be. They're just not there. People, especially the younger generation, younger than us, they, they, they don't give two rips about football. They're watching TikTok, uh, you know, looking yeah. for that six-second entertainment. But we'll see. We'll see how it works. We'll see how this, uh, this brilliant strategy for the NFL – uh, appealing to a younger audience on Nickelodeon. We'll see. Zach, uh, yeah, report back.
3: <laughs> I will do uh, so.
4: Especially choosing the sub five hundred Bears, uh the pl- greatest playoff team in recent history, uh, to be that game that showcased to the, the youngins out there.
1: Did the Bears go under five hundred as well?
0: I
4: thought they were eight and eight. Or did they did
0: they finish eight and eight? Yeah.
1: I... even though oh they might have dude. They lost to the Packers last week. And I think they were sitting at where they had uh... seven and eight just along with the Cardinals.
0: Hang on, I'm looking here. Yeah, they're at eight and eight. Yeah. Okay,
1: good. Yeah, but still, man, still yeah, eight it's gonna eight be a
4: with, uh, Mitchell Trubisky, your starting quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: why that game? Why <laughs> yeah, that game? It's the only one the NFL fi- would sell. Honestly, I figured they they maybe maybe figured that it would be the lowest viewed game, and that's why they put it on Nickelodeon. I truly don't know. I I know that I I outside of Nickelodeon, I, that would be the one game where I was like, okay, I might not watch this game. Uh,
3: <laughs> I, I also no, noticed that they yeah uh, they put
1: draws you in. they put
3: they put that game on Sunday and uh, the Saints have had some COVID issues so I wonder uh, I I saw some Bears fans on Twitter are pretty pissed that uh, that the game wasn't on Saturday that they tried to move that game back as late as possible to, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Give and the NFL Saints a
0: in the back of of the New Orleans Saints uh, what's new what's new in the world not much uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. I would be. I would become a Bears fan. I, I obviously am still so a Vikes fan. I would become a Bears fan if the Bears beat the Saints, dude. I would be so happy. That would
4: be awesome. That would be. If awesome. they have and Kamara cool. back and everybody back
1: healthy, Breeze is playing, and then Shabisky goes into
4: them. New Orleans and beats
1: the Saints. Yeah, can you imagine? That would be that'd be story of the year.
0: <laughs> that would be a huge win, and I would. I, I'm going to be cheering for the Bears absolutely in this game. 100. Not only because it would be sweet to see them upset the Saints, but the Bears are kind of in purgatory. We, we talked about it with the Vikings. Uh, it, it looked likely for a while there, at least after they beat the Packers and went on that winning streak, that this was the role that the Vikings were going to be in, getting squeaking into the playoffs, not really having a chance, uh, and getting a bad draft pick. So I'm all for the Chicago Bears staying in purgatory as long as possible. And if that's beating the Saints and getting a little worse draft pick, I'm I'm very happy with that.
1: I think that would be, yeah, I think that would be great too. It'd be great for their program if they can get a win. They, they've been they're one of those uh, classic teams in the NFL. They might be the oldest team in the NFL. And uh, it's it's kind of been an ugly 10 years for them. Since Erlacher left, I feel like the Bears have been irrelevant just because they just haven't had a quarterback. So it's left the door wide open for – I mean, the Vikes have given a, a good run at <laughs> – the since the franchise, past, since but.
3: the franchise linebacker has left, they haven't had a quarterback. <laughs> I, I love
1: that. It's, I mean, they, they, their defense was so great that they they could win with Jay Cutler, and they were fine. Um, I and mean, they had a sweet defense, but I mean, they Everything haven't had it went a, wrong once he started doing hair commercials. Urlacher, yeah, yeah, yep. just not, yeah, meant not really. To be. No, not yeah. at all.
4: Um, yeah.
0: It didn't but, fit the brand yeah. for Urlacher very much. I didn't think I, it was weird. That was weird that he just. Went from bald to all of a sudden doing hair commercials. Yeah, he <laughs> must have had some money issues or something. Yeah. <laughs> I
1: just want to see that pack, the Packers Bears be a little more even. I, I just I can't stand watching the Packers Bears games anymore. Those those used to be pretty fun to watch. I assume even I, not even for our generation. I think the generation before us they probably loved watching those games. That's just stupid game now. That's not even fun. <laughs>
3: yeah, you, you go up you go back and watch packers Bears games from the seventies eighties, and it's um it's it's like every play it something happens that in today's NFL, player would be suspended for two games. <laughs> oh my dude. My dad's oldest uh Packer Bears memory is uh Bears quarterback throws what ended up being a touchdown pass and a Packers D lineman, like ten seconds after the ball is thrown, uh runs over, picks up the uh uh the Bears quarterback, uh carries him for about Five feet, and then just drops him down. Just straight body <laughs> slams him. Just wow. for no good reason. Uh, like, I think he like broke a shoulder. And oh my goodness! Just, like that's football, baby. That, that's the uh, that's the good old days of the NFL, right there.
0: Yeah, and that's never coming back, and, and probably for good. I mean, honestly, that 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 was obviously super entertaining and fun to watch. And I don't even know the. I've never watched the Bears and the Packers from the seventies, but I'm sure that's just ruthless football. Like that's awesome. Uh, but yeah, the player safety—that's just never going to happen again.
1: No, and I, I'm I'm fine with that. Um, it, it it's a bummer, and I, it was great. Don't get me wrong; that it happened with the Packers. How uh, every when uh, Clay Matthews it was hitting quarterbacks, and he wasn't really hitting them too hard, but he was getting penalties for him. And that, that was when it all started um, with the new rules and stuff. And I was I was stoked when it was happening with the Packers, uh, and. <laughs> when Barr hit Rodgers and stuff. I, yep. It was a right, all around yeah. that time um, when quarterbacks started uh, get, you know, they he had to like wrap them up in bubble wrap and put them down on the ground. But um, <laughs> I think it's, I think it's a pretty good, good rule. You don't want to hurt a guy on a cheap hit. Uh, but with that said, there, there's been, there, it's kind of, People don't know how to tackle anymore. I don't think. Hey, Rick, you're watching that game. Have, yeah, what's have up? Have been in the rambling sauce tonight? <laughs> Dude, I, I'm just getting ready for my segment. That's all.
0: So yes, you are, <laughs> and that's coming up in just a little bit, fellas. Anything else from around the NFL before we move into
1: some college troops? You got an hour. Okay, <laughs> now I'm done.
0: <laughs> okay, BG, Randy, any uh, NFL takes? Anything you got to get off your chest?
3: Aaron Rodgers MVP. There you go. All
1: right, next segment.
0: There we go. We'll end on that. Uh, I don't know if it's going to happen. It'll be close. It'll be close. Rodgers definitely had had a tremendous season, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Let's move on to Gopher hoops. Obviously, they've been playing out of their freaking minds to start this season and to start this Big Ten season, rather. Uh, I think we're three and one uh, so far against the this kind of gauntlet stretch of six straight teams inside of the top twenty-five, at least inside the top 25 before we played them. And we got three left. Uh, I guess it's going to be seven in a row. Uh, Cause we played four and we got three to go with two of them being Michigan and then another date with Iowa down in Iowa city in about a week from now, I believe. Uh, so three and one BG uh, to start this, this seven game gauntlet for this gopher basketball team. I believe they're 16 in the latest AP poll uh, and the transfers are what stands out in my mind. I mean, Absolutely, dynamite job by Richard Pitino uh, to get these three transfers. I mean, Liam Robbins might be the second best center in, in the Big Ten already, and he's you know five games into his Big Ten career. Um, he, he's just really transforming before our eyes, and he's becoming an absolute threat on both sides of the, or both sides of the court. And he can even stretch it out and hit some threes. We saw him hit a three, uh, a deep one to kind of put the dagger. Into I believe it was Iowa in overtime and you know that kind of excitement from this gopher basketball team is what we've been missing for so long BG.
4: Yeah talking about Liam Robbins I'll just say this when you're watching a Gophers game it every single game this season it seems like Liam Robbins scores the first six points of the game not five not four always six points so be on the lookout for that. I don't understand why, but it's okay. happened at least three times, okay. I think, this season. Yep. Um. But, yeah, I honestly did not think that the Gophers would be in the spot we're in right now um, with a close win early on in the season against SMU um, and just getting blown out in our first Big Ten game against Illinois, almost losing by 30 points. But to the Gophers' credit, we have bounced back unbelievably like we haven't seen a Gophers team in the past 10 years play against these Big Ten teams like they're playing now, Um, beating Iowa in overtime. I think Iowa's the the best Big Ten team in the league. Um, Maybe the Gophers will sweep them next weekend and put that out of my mind. But we also just absolutely pummeled Michigan State, um, Ohio State just the other night, beat them by 17. So we're playing really well in the Big Ten. We lost to Madison. When um, they were the sixth seed the other week by 12 points, and we played absolutely horrendous. The Badgers did too, but we, we shot 18% from the field the first half and looked horrible. But it's it's encouraging to see that the Gophers, this kind of young team that is kind of getting used to each other with all the transfers that, transfers that we have starting and getting playing time for us, they're able to bounce back after a horrible loss to Illinois, after a horrible outing to Madison. We go back and we beat Michigan State. We beat Ohio State. And like you said, it's the, transfer, the transfers, these new guys to the Big Ten League that are really stepping up. Marcus Carr, as good as he has been, hasn't been producing like he usually does the past couple of games. And that's completely fine because they're keying in on him. And we have guys like Liam Robbins who just put up 27 points and 14 rebounds and was the Big Ten player of the week against Ohio State who's filling in the hole and we have guys like Gabe Kelser getting hot and playing unbelievable defense. We have such a deep team, and that's what it takes to be successful in the super deep Big Ten League. As of now, 11 of them would be in the March Madness tournament, it sounds like. So it's going to be a long season, um, whether we're playing in this ranked um, streak of seven games, three more to come, or if it's against Penn State, Nebraska, the lesser Big Ten teams this season. Each win is not guaranteed and each or each game is not guaranteed and each game is gonna be a fight and I'm looking forward to it because this Gophers team has the fight that we haven't seen in the past couple of seasons. And we have guys who can come off the bench and I'm still confident with the guys, Isaiah Enan, Jamal Mashburn Junior, whoever else, we are a very deep team, and like I said before, that's essential when you get later into the season, especially this COVID season with injuries. Um, and just the the weird way the world's working right now, I'm I'm encouraged. Uh, I'm quite honestly a little surprised slash shocked, but I'm I'm here for it, and I love it.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is as fired up as I've been about a Richard Pertino Gopher team as I can remember. I mean, this is you mentioned the guy. I mean, there's so many scoring options. There's so many guys that you can look at and say, oh, he could have. 20 any given night, or he could have 20 any given night. And Marcus Carr is even more efficient. He's playing as good as anybody in the country at the guard position right now. I think he's averaging 22 points a game. He's leading the Big Ten in assists with six and a half assists per game. And when he he takes care of the basketball, when he facilitates and looks for other players to get involved and then gets himself going, uh, we're almost unbeatable. I mean, this team is so good at defense. They defend so well. When Marcus Carr takes care of the ball, they're almost unbeatable. And there's some things to work on for sure, and they haven't even played their best basketball. I mean, we're 3-2 and two in the Big Ten right now with obviously the loss to Illinois that you mentioned got blown out in and then against Wisconsin didn't play well. Still had a chance in that game, but didn't play well at all. Uh, and When you look at who they've beat at 3-2 and two, and when you look at the back half of the schedule, this Minnesota team, they're going to be competing for a Big Ten championship Uh, in my mind, if they can get another winner, one or two of these next three games, they're right in the mix. I mean, the back half of this big 10 schedule is much, much easier than this front half. And at three and two, they get to something like five and three, five and four, something like that. They're absolutely in the mix to win a big 10 title in the best big 10, you know, from top to bottom, the best big 10 we've seen in probably our lifetime. I mean, absolutely stacked. Uh, this Big Ten is this year. It's absolutely insane. Um, the transfers, like I mentioned, Liam Robbins, Brandon Johnson, Booth Gotch—they've been phenomenal. Uh, They—they've really. And Gotch hasn't even played his best basketball yet. Brandon Johnson, obviously, going unconscious against Iowa to in overtime to win that game for us and, and really come from behind in the game. We had no business getting into overtime. Uh, and Booth Gotch hasn't played his best basketball yet. Hasn't played very well in the Big Ten at all, uh, at least from the games. I didn't see the Wisconsin game, but I assume he didn't have a great game. We, we nobody did. We scored 59 points, but still, there, there's so much room for improvement on, on this team, who is already blowing out top 25 teams. I mean, you're blowing out Ohio State. You're embarrassing Michigan uh, on our home court and really just throwing Michigan into or Michigan State rather into a complete funk. I, I mean this is a gopher team that has even more to improve on. And we're already blowing out top 25 teams.
3: Yeah. Biel, I think you hit the, I think you hit the on the head when you talked about the number of scoring options on that, that gopher's team, and, you know, for me as an Iowa fan, that's, you know, that's, that's what the Hawkeyes have this year is that, you know, if Luca Garza doesn't get going, we have three or four other guys that, you know, it can be their night and, and we can still get away with the win. And I think the big 10 this year, you know, that's, that's, to be an elite team, that's what you have to have is not necessarily a, a, a balanced team like, you know, that might get you far in the Big Ten in years past, but, you know, almost you, you just need streaky players that can, you know, maybe even t- take turns getting hot in different games and, you know, just, just feeding off each other's energy. And, uh, I mean, if you look at the Big Ten this year, no matter who's who's beaten who, whether it be, you know, the worst teams or the best teams, it's teams that have, a player or two, they get hot each game. Um, and I think that's a key to win the Big Ten this year.
0: Yeah, and the the issue that I have with Iowa, Andy, is, yes, you guys have a lot of scoring ops, but they don't defend like Minnesota. I think Minnesota is one of the best defensive teams in the Big Ten. I haven't seen everyone play yet, uh, so maybe that's, a, that's an early take. But they defend. Minnesota defends. They give up a lot of offensive rebounds. Uh, so that's where they need to really improve on. If they can get those guards to stay in there, get their box out before – you know, leaking out down the floor. I think that'll improve and help solve that problem. But they defend. This Gopher team has shown they're pretty good on-ball defenders, especially Gabe Kelscher. He might be the best defender in the Big Ten. Having a tremendous season on the defensive end. BG, you mentioned he had, I think he had three, I think it was like three of nine um against Ohio State from downtown. But he he's not shot the ball well, particularly, really at all the last two seasons. He was a 40% three-point shooter as a freshman, really jumped onto the big 10 scene and it's kind of, you know, withered away in these last two seasons, at least offensively. But when he's defending like he is and he's getting good shots and they're rolling in and out, he's got to be one of the, one of the most unlucky players I've ever seen. Have The number of in and outs and rollouts. And I mean, shots that are open, his feet are set and it just doesn't go in, you know, sometimes that's going to happen. And sometimes you get on, on a cold streak and it's been like, it feels like a two year cold streak for Kelscher, but, you know, when he gets hot, he can be hot. He's got a great-looking jumper, and those shots are going to start falling for Gabe Kalsher. And he just needs to keep defending the way he has. And this gopher team, especially when they go against um, Hunter Dickinson, I believe his name is. I might be butchering the last name there. Uh, but the freshman uh, center for Michigan, who, who really their offense goes through, he's going to be another good test uh, for Liam Robbins, see how they can do on Hutchinson, who or Dickinson, rather, who uh, – can really pass the ball out of the post. I mean, he's a back down type guy who's going to bring you all the way to the hoop and give you a couple moves. But the other thing he does is pass the ball really well out of double teams. So that's going to be a, a test to this go for defense. How well are they rotating? How well are they communicating on defense? We saw what they did to Luca Garza in that first half. That's going to be, they're going to have to do something similar to that. And they're going to have to be really effective with the double teams down in the post. And, you know, if they can do that and they can rebound, defensively, uh, this is a gopher team that's really hard to beat, really hard to beat because of all those options. And I'm just excited to watch them continue on this stretch of top 25 teams.
4: Do you know how big Dickinson is?
0: I, I do not. Let me double check his name
4: because I
0: might have butchered his name there. Uh, okay, and when,
4: when you're looking that up, because I think Liam Robbins is a really good defender on the ball. And the one time that he's been in trouble Well I guess twice if you count Illinois But we'll just call that a blooper First Big Ten game you go against Kofi Coburn But against Madison They had two smaller bigs Who were just going at him trying to get him in fall trouble And they were too quick for Robbins to defend and that's Mm. part of the Reason we got behind just Wisconsin's Game plan so I'm hoping that He's not a 6'8 or so Quick center
0: He is 7'2 So he's a (laughs) big boy
4: Yeah, a... we'll see how – Liam Robbins is also a big boy, but he's two inches shorter, so we'll see how he stacks up. I actually think that's good for the Gophers um, because Robbins is athletic. He's a great shot blocker um, and has fared well against bigger guys this season. Um, and I was going to get back to the point you're making. Yeah, the Gophers have played great defense this season, and we've played superb on-the-ball defense um, from all of our guys this season. It's a breath of fresh air. Um, watching college basketball compared to the NBA where no defense is played. You guys at, have you – you have, you have guys, excuse me, playing defense and actually carrying on both sides of the ball, um, whether it's offense or defense. They're giving their heart out. And I know I said this before, not on air, but talking to you, Beal, I think it was the way Gabe Kelscher played defense against Michigan State is the best defense I've ever seen played in college basketball before. And that sounds kind of phony, but it honestly was remarkable. And Like you said, he's been on a cold streak for the past year and a half. He was on fire when he came to campus, which is a little bit disappointing. But he plays 30, 35 minutes a game because he is so good on the defensive end and still creates opportunities, whether it's making a three every once in a while or he has the ability to drive. It's it's great to see a guy like that not get down on himself when he's having a historically – um, awful slump and still provide for the team when things aren't going right. As well as Booth Gotch, he has been playing really great before the Big Ten season started, and now he is play, playing pretty subpar. But he still impacts the team, and it's just one of those things when we come together and we have guys firing on all cylinders come later in this Big Ten season, it's, it's going to be in our own destiny, and it's going to be what can't we do. Because I think we legitimately have five different guys who could lead the the stat sheet in scoring each and every night. It's something that I've never seen in my life with the Gophers having this deep of a team um, and this surprisingly well playing in the Big Ten.
0: Yeah, last thing on the Gophers, I just want to mention, you mentioned the Gabe Kausher after that Michigan State game. I was so proud of him. I, I don't even really know. I don't know him at all. I don't say I shouldn't really know him. I don't know him at all. But I'm just, like, proud of him. He, he's like the way he has handled himself the last two years with the shooting and the offensive woes to, to continue to play as good a defense as he has and, and to to not you know not lose confidence and to continue to take good shots and to see some of them go in and now this season he's been getting to the free throw line a bunch and he's a great free throw shooter this whole gopher team I believe they're still leading the country and attempted free throws and made free throws and if that keeps up, you know, that that's they're hard to beat when they when they're hitting fifteen out of fifteen free throws every night. Uh, but Kelscher, I mean, I was just I'm so proud of the way he's played the the last three seasons to start hot, to go into a huge slump over the last two years and to continue to play great defense. I mean, so often you see guys get down in the dumps and then just kind of forget about the defensive end of things, but he's really just stepped up. He's stepped up defensively, he's found ways to score offensively by getting to the free throw line and getting other players involved and I think he's rounding the corner we'll say and, and when he becomes a, a complete player on on the offensive end and then add that into how good he is on defense it's just another guard that that's in my mind a, an all big Ten second team type guy and you put that with with Marcus Carr who is an all big 10 first team type of guy this gopher backcourt is going to be tough tough to beat and I think they still have a great chance to win the big 10. Andy, Zachary, let's bring you guys in. Um, Rest of the NCAA news was announced yesterday that the March Madness, the big tournament, uh, will be in Indianapolis this this year exclusively. They're going to have one site for all 68 teams. I think it's still 68 uh, with the four play-in games. Uh, But, yeah, pretty big news, I guess, out of the NCAA to announce that. I think it's a great site, Indianapolis, obviously a great city. They host the Big Ten Championship every year. And that'll be fun. We're we're a little I think just under ten weeks till selection Sunday and God willing we get to March Madness and it actually happens. It, it's gonna be <laughs> probably the most exciting March Madness of my lifetime,
3: of our lifetime. Yeah, and, and I just wanna know, um, I would have loved to have been in the room when Dan with Dan Dockich when he found out that all of March Madness was gonna be in Indiana. Like he was probably <laughs> just going around fist pumping, like just giving everyone high fives and just you know, no one loves Indiana basketball more than, yeah, than no, Dan Dockett, yeah. and, and just the state of Indiana. I think Dan Dockett's big Indiana guy.
0: Yeah, I uh, I like Dockett. <laughs> People don't like him for some reason. Maybe more just as my, one of my old roommates, Bubba. We've talked about him. He doesn't like Dockett at all. I think I think he's a great commentator. I, I enjoy his uh,
3: commentary quite a bit. <laughs> I like it. I, I like him. I don't like him. Like the he was calling the Iowa game this weekend. And whoever was doing the game with made some comment about how this is the best big 10 that we've ever seen. And Dockage was really like, oh, that's a lie. Like, back <laughs> in the, he, like, he instantly like talked about the years that he was playing it, in Indiana. Like that I was the it. best big 10 teams of all time. Yeah. Like just, I, I just, part of me hates it, but part of me loves it. And she not just.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what you're going to get with Doc. It's hot takes. I mean, he's going <laughs> to, <Yeah. laughs> he's going to get mad at somebody every, every night. Like he's going to get mad at whether it be, the Big Ten or the NCAA or one of the coaches, like he just gets mad at people, and it's funny.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but um, I mean, like, getting back though to the the tournament being in, in being in Indianapolis and, and in the state of Indiana, I mean, I think it's good that the the NCAA has a plan this far in advance. Um, I mean, there's still plenty of basketball and plenty of pandemic to be played, um, but um, I mean, the hope is is that making this announcement. So early will allow the NCAA to put all the preparations in place to, to make sure that once um you know once the tournament starts, then then it's gonna gonna be finished. Yeah,
0: I'm certainly more confident, and obviously last year was a crapshoot. Nobody knew what was really going on in the world at all. But I'm certainly a lot more confident that the that the tournament will happen this year. But there's gonna be some big questions for sure, and it's good to see. Uh, the NCAA planning this far in advance. And, and hopefully by that time, the vaccine is you know kind of helping to to mitigate the COVID numbers and we just get basketball. And hopefully we get basketball with fans there. And if, hey, fellas, maybe we'll drive down to Indianapolis and go see this Gopher team and this Hawkeye team play some hoops.
1: That would be awesome. That'd be really cool. Um, I know last Friday they said, and it's probably been, eh, this was sometime last week, they said 11 of the 14... 14- Big 10 teams would be in the big da- uh, big tournament if the season ended today, but that was last week early. I have not followed too closely on what has happened since then, but that would be incredible. It's been truly a great year for the big 10 and yeah, it would be, it'd be a real, real heartbreaker if they didn't play again. Um, so that's, that's awesome. Hopefully nothing, nothing comes up, but that's great news.
0: We riot. If they don't play fellas. we riot. Yes,
1: we do. Yep, absolutely. We, gonna, we riot. I almost did last year. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, fellas. anything else? Uh, from around the NCAA, Andy, any Iowa? Uh,
3: all I've got to say is, is that, you know, even a, we're a couple of games into the Big Ten season now, and um, Luca Garza's offensive rating uh, is 144.3. Uh, to put that in comparison, uh, the highest D1, um, Power Five uh, offensive rating for a season. Was Anthony Davis at 139.04 um, in his year in Kentucky? Ooh. So um, Luca Garza is, you know, even even after some some down game for him, the down game for him is when he doesn't score, uh, doesn't score 20 points. But uh, he's just playing at an unreal level. And um, I don't know if you guys saw his um uh, he he backed down some some freshman Maryland player this weekend, uh, and it looked like a guard in slow motion. Uh, it looks like Steph Curry in slow motion driving in, going up and under. Um, I mean, he's just, um, <laughs> he is just playing lights out. And, you um, know, I mean, that's, yeah, it's it's fun to watch for our basketball fans. But yeah, what's um, his
0: defensive rating? Do you know, Andy? <laughs> <laughs> Not defensive good. rating. Not good. One forty-five point one 0.145. <laughs>
3: 104. Uh, uh, I don't know. Oh, what's good or not.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I I that was more yeah. of a rhetorical. The only here's the <laughs> here's my Iowa take, and this is how I see them. Uh not and this is why in my mind they're not really contender this year. Because they don't play defense and they score a ton of points. Yeah, I think they're they probably have them maybe other than Gonzaga, they probably score more points than anyone in the country. But they rely on the three too much and if Luca Garza gets in foul trouble, they're screwed. And so one of those things it is going to happen in the tournament? They're either going to get really cold from three, or they're going to get Luca Garza in foul trouble, and that is going to be the demise of the Iowa Hawkeyes in my mind. Because this team is not good enough defensively to to buy time to to, to you know buy time and hold teams down while their offense you know kind of finds themselves, or rather waits for Garza to get back in the game. Yeah, they're <laughs> super good on on offense, and they can score almost 100 points every night. But can they defend? And yeah. The answer in my mind, at least right now, is no.
3: Yeah. I mean, we lost to Gonzaga by 10 or 11, and we missed 12 free throws, and it felt like we got blown out that game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, uh, I mean, however, there's so many games for every team in a year where, oh, if we just made our free throws, we could have won. But um, I mean, I think with Iowa, they have uh, a lot of their young guys, like Keegan Murray, who's a. Uh, um, legacy iowa player his his father's a top five all-time scorer for the hawkeyes um he's really been improving. just you can see the improvement from game over game and his defense has been really improving um so he's one i think just with more minutes in the big 10 that the team's gonna rely on and then we're seeing more joe tucson play uh playing at guard and he is just so athletic um and he yeah. he's just all over the place on offense and on defense so mm-hmm. i think I think what Fran McCaffrey has been doing the past couple of games is you know, he's, he's trying out a lot of different lineups. Um, and I think he's made it clear that the approach isn't necessarily to be ranked in the top five every week. It's to put themselves in the best position once the tournament comes to make a run. Um, and if, if you hear the players, I mean, they, you know, it's, it's the process for them. You know, a lot of these guys, um, you know, a lot of these guys are, are four, Four or five, even six-year seniors. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think um, I, I think at least the if if you have the most efficient offense in the country, um, and we're right in the middle of the pack for defense. I mean, we have ten weeks to to figure out what lineups work when um, to get our team together on defense. And um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we'll we'll see what happens. There's still a still plenty of basketball we played, and, and yep. same go for the golfers. I mean. You know, a lot of those, you know, like, like you talked about those transfers and some of those other young guys, I mean, they're only going to get better as Big Ten play um, goes on. So mm-hmm. um, it's just going to be such a fun uh, ending to this this Big Ten of this NCAA basketball season. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm still in a football mindset. So, you know, basketball teams will play every four or five days, uh, sometimes even sooner. And I just, like, forget sometimes. Like, you yeah. know, I'll watch an Iowa game on Sunday. And then I'm like, Oh, they're playing, they're playing Tuesday night. Right. <laughs> like I thought that I was expecting to to watch them again this next weekend. So um, as we transition out of the NFL and, and college football and into college basketball, just having more games during the week um, is going to be fun to watch too.
0: Yes, it is. And one of those games this week is tomorrow night. Gophers. Uh, I think it's at Michigan. Uh, I'm not sure if the, we, we play them two of the next three Michigan one, one's home, one's away. I'm not sure if we start on the road or at home, but Gophers and Michigan tomorrow night. Huge one for this Gopher squad, and we'll break that down on Friday morning's show. Uh, But, yeah, a ton to look forward to in this NCAA. And, yeah, a little under 10 weeks until Selection Sunday. Best time of the year. That Thursday afternoon, woo! I cannot wait. Got a million games going on. We got upsets everywhere, buzzer beaters, and we're going to have a bunch of Big Ten teams playing in that tournament. It's going to be awesome to see uh, how they fare and Yeah, to see what happens really over the next 10 weeks just in college basketball in general. And I hope we get there, fellas. I hope we get there. Let's move on to Wolves and BG. Obviously, it's been tough with Cat out. I think they've lost four in a row now, two and four on the young season. Uh, A lot to be excited about with, with Edwards and, you know, Cat playing good at least before he got hurt. But now this team just seems like they've been down in the dumps the last week or so.
4: Yeah, it's been a completely different story when Towns is playing and when he's not playing, and obviously that's going to make sense because Towns is by far our best player. But we started out the year with a comeback win against the Pistons, maybe the worst team in the NBA, but still a good quality win with young guys. And how often can we say the Wolves came back from being down in the fourth quarter? Pretty much never. It's always the Wolves give up, give up a fourth-quarter lead, so we'll take it when we can get it. And then the next game we go and play the Utah jazz and control the entire game from the first quarter, all the way to the end of the game and the jazz are going to be a playoff team this year. Yeah. And team we would not have in Utah won. too. Yeah. In Utah. Um, a game we would not have won last year or <laughs> the, the past, however, 10 years, wherever you want to go. <laughs> yeah. But, um, it was encouraging to see with all our guys, what we can play like together and the potential we have. And, we're obviously a completely different team without Towns. You, you mentioned it. We're 0-4 uh, these past four games. Uh, we've got blown out in each game that we've lost, but it's it's pretty interesting. We've been close to each team except for one quarter in each game, and four games ago was the four, first, first quarter, three games ago was the second quarter, two games third, and this last game the fourth quarter. It's just weird how that works, but we just need to be consistent and pull it together. Um, which is really hard to do without our best player. And I know a lot of people are panicking and saying, oh, we'll just, just see who we get with the lottery pick next season. But I think Towns is going to be back around two weeks or so. I'm not saying we're going to make the playoffs. I've, it's going to be tough for us to make the playoffs in this shortened season with the way we're playing now and Towns continue to be hurt. But we look pretty good. With the new squad we have, when we have Towns and Russell playing together, they've only played three games together, believe it or not, um, since we got Russell because one of the two were injured last season as well, which is unfortunate. But when we can put these guys together, um, Okoge's also been injured, and he's a huge glue guy. He's the puzzle that brings the team together. uh, With the effort, the hustle, and the defense he plays, Uh, we've missed having him out of the lineup, but – Jarrett Culver, he has been looking great early on in this season. Um, We need him to be more of a scorer, and he has done great with attacking the rim and free throws, which is huge because he shot around 40% last year. Um, So he needs to get going. And then Anthony Edwards, I think the the ruling is still out there on him. He has played some great games, and he's played some not great games. I hope that Ryan Saunders is still uh, floating the idea around of what position they want him to play at because – when he plays off the ball and doesn't get the hand, get the ball in his hands, uh, he just tends to stand in that corner for 24 seconds and then jog back on defense, which is, I mean, a completely different kind of game that he played at Georgia where you bring the ball up the court and you have the ball in your hands for 98% of the game, rightly so. So he's, he's got some adjustments um, and some time to improve, which he definitely needs to do. But uh, just being optimistic here, I think the, the near future is bright if our guys can stay healthy and if Edwards plays how he can play and these glue guys like Akoge and Culver continue to play well. And also, I just thinking about it now, I think Malik Beasley is leading our team in scoring this season, wow. which is good, but you don't want that to be your leading scorer. So um, we'll see what the future holds for this really young T-Wolves team, and hopefully we get Cat back and win some games before him before he comes back. Is the Kogi back? I thought he got hurt. He got hurt. Well, he was out last game for sure. I want to say he got uh, hurt he against will, the Lakers, right? He like hamstring something. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So he's been out a number of games. Okay. Um, and I don't know if we'll get him back tonight when we play, but he's just one of those guys who may not put up even ten points, but his plus minus in the box score is always high, and mm-hmm. that effort is just an uncharted stat.
0: Yeah, I mean his effort defensively. I've only seen them play two games so far this season, but his effort defensively is a game changer. I mean it's contagious. You see him getting up and just tipping passes and you know harassing uh, guys that have the ball and even off the ball. He just his energy is contagious on the defensive end, and hey, I'll love to see him get back tonight. Hopefully, uh, I believe they got the Nuggets again on a not a back to back, but uh, two games in a row against the Nuggets. Yeah, yeah. BG, anything else? Uh, Wolves or NBA related before we move into Ramblin' Richard?
4: I think the Atlanta Hawks are going to be a very good team this season. I don't know if they're a sleeper team, if they're past that, but I think they're a very good team who may not be the best defensive team, but they can easily put up 120 points a game and um, have to shout out that that's who currently has Rajon Rondo on the roster.
0: Yeah, no surprise there, I guess. Uh, BG always (laughs) falling around. Regan or Rondo. Uh, yeah, uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Hawks, good to know. Ramblin' Ricky, you ready to go?
1: I, I'm I Yeah, oh, sorry, I'm ready right now, yes. That I sound, have not been able to put a single simple, cent, sentence rich. together all day, so I've been spending this time writing out some sentences <laughs> to help me along here because this is going to be an extra rambly one.
0: Oh, that's, that's juicy. An extra rambly <laughs> edition. Make sure you're sitting down for this. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh man. I'm sweating already. Okay. Tales of the week. I'm ready. All right. So this one has nothing to do with anything besides that it happened in Minnesota. I think that's pretty significant. Um, last week's I think, or it's been a couple weeks uh, pertained to Minnesota about the the different time zone change. And I just figured we'll keep on the Minnesota trail. Other than that, this has nothing to do with anything, Uh, but here we go. So 1944, the University of Minnesota conducted an experiment on 36 men to learn more about the psychological and physical effects of hunger, because at the time, doctors did not know how to properly help people recover from the symptoms of starvation. And since World War II um, was ongoing at this time, it brought light to, or not brought lighted, uh... Well, yeah, it did brought, bring light to the issue of, of hunger the, around the world and it caused, since World War II caused many food shortages throughout the world. Um, and doctors thought that it was a, a necessary study co- to conduct. Uh, but however, since America was involved in the war, they didn't have a ton of candidates to choose from to try to help uh, conduct this study. So they ended up choosing 36 guys from something called the Civilian Public Service. And I didn't know this, but they were the Civilian Public Service was an organization – developed during World War II for drafted men whose, uh, quote-unquote, consciences did not allow them to kill. Um, so this is something I never even thought about. And I guess maybe in other words, they were called hippies. Uh, but the organization allowed these type of people to do work that would benefit the nation um, outside of fighting. So they chose 36 of these guys who were mentally and physically healthy, um, but they essentially... The, the guys, they volunteered themselves for the study um, from the organization, and it required each man to lose 25% of their body weight over a six-month span, and they could only eat foods that were available over in Europe um, during the war and just a simu- have a proper simulation of what they were going on uh, or what they were facing over in Europe, the soldiers. <clears throat> and it required to meet uh, – it required them to meet certain educational and physical standards uh, each week, and they were monitored by doctors at the University of Minnesota. And they were all gathered at the football stadium for a lot of this, uh, a lot of the, the studies. That's what the article said. Um, the war ended before the entire study could be completed, which worried the scientists because they had not gathered like enough data uh, enough data throughout the uh, time of the study, um, and worried that they would not be able to help properly help returning soldiers who suffered from starvation symptoms. So they just published what they had um, in a couple of works, and what they ha- what they did have set the precedent for precedent for uh, starvation rehabilitation in the United States today. Um, and from what I gathered, it suggested that it was the first um, first real study that was gathered that it suggested the importance of calories to the human body and how they're an important source for human body to function. And it, this story gained national attention in 1945, and was each, even featured in Life magazine, um, which I thought was pretty cool. So that is what I have for you today. Any questions or thoughts?
0: That is awesome. Uh, I love how you call them the uh, conscious, conscientious objectors. I could hardly get that word out. Uh, Hippies. <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: I just figured that that's probably what they were going for, just a nicer way of saying it. But
0: yeah. I never even thought of
1: that, that people... I'm thinking about people today and I always think about like thinking of our group, our group of friends and all of us, if we had to get drafted and go to war, I mean, we're 22. Can you imagine when we were 18 and going to war? Yeah. Dude. Like I, I, I mean, no, can't. I can't. So. I can't
0: yeah. I can't. <laughs> yeah, There's no that's way. One so. of those, yeah. No, but yeah, no, I can't imagine that. <laughs> I mean, that would be, yeah, just, just mind boggling.
1: I, I think of every guy back in the day of like, I think of all our grandparents and stuff or grandpas and all these tough stern guys. And it's like, I think of all of our friends like, well, I can't really see a lot of soldier types out of these guys. Uh, but I'm sure that was the <laughs> same way back in the day. And that's something I don't think of. I just think of everyone as like a, like a no nonsense type guy, but I'm sure there were a bunch of all of us back in the day. So yeah.
4: So, Who would be the conscientious objector
1: uh, Oh, among the four of us out of the four of us. I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like we all would be or, in that same boat.
4: <laughs> or that the people listening would know. I don't know if we talk about somebody that comes to mind.
1: Hmm. I'd be going to war. I'm ready to fight. Ready to I would. I would have a. Tr- I would. I would have trouble. I would have trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. have going you seen, to war? Have you but seen I would them? like. I would probably have to do that. I don't know. I don't know what I would do. Have you? Yeah. Not so choice. Uh, but
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Have you guys seen Hacksaw Ridge? No, I never have. Okay, you'd like that rambling, so. Rick. It's about. A, oh, that's the, the like nurse guy? Yeah, the guy who doesn't. He's yeah, like I a have. conscious yep. objector. He doesn't want to fight. I think, I can't remember what religion he is. Uh, there was a certain. I'll just look it up real quick. Spider Man. No, not Spider
3: Man. It's Andrew Garfield. who plays Spider Man.
0: <laughs> oh, that dude? Yeah. But the, the <laughs> I can't remember. The uh, the movie is based on this guy who's a conscientious He's objector. like Amish or something. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. <laughs> but there was like a religion that said that you can't pick up a weapon or whatever. But so he goes into war and saves all these people. And he's like, you know, doesn't pick up a gun the whole time or whatever. But um, let's see. Well, it doesn't say his religion in here at least, but I think there was a, at least a fair amount of people that were, you know, conscious and conscientious objectors, but
4: a not seventh many of them day Adventist. War. It says that's
0: what it is. Yeah. he's one of those.
1: Yeah. Whatever that is. But, yeah, that, it's super interesting.
0: Super interesting movie. I, I think you'd enjoy it, Ramblin' and Rick.
1: Yeah, I I know I've gotten into the war phase, war movie phase before, and my brother Jared has for sure. Uh, oh my goodness, he's gotten to those. So I I, I definitely could see myself getting to those again. So I'll keep that in mind for next movie night.
4: Right after the Nickelodeon game, could switch yep, to that. Yep,
1: that's correct. <laughs> that'll, that'll be a switch oh. up. <laughs> yeah, that really will be. Oh, absolutely, man.
0: absolutely. All right, Zach, your homework for the week is, is watching that Nick Loding game and reporting back next Monday how it went. Can do.
1: All right, I can do that.
0: Sweet. We're looking forward to that, and we'll see you guys on Friday morning. We'll talk about this Gopher and Michigan game uh, as well as some others around the NCAA and maybe do a little bit of a NFL preview heading into the first week of the playoffs. See you guys all
2: day. And in what my hunt, this clock never seems so alive I can't keep up, and I can't back down I've been losing so much time Cause there's you and me And all other people with nothing to do to lose and it's you and me and all other people and I don't know why I can't keep my eyes off of you What are the things that I want to say just aren't coming out right I'm tripping on words you got my head spinning, I don't know where to go from here. Cause it's you and me, and I love the people with nothing to do, nothing to prove, and it's you and me, and I love the people, and I don't know why I can't keep my eyes off of you. something about you now I can't quite figure out Everything she does is beautiful Everything she does is right Is this you and me And all of the people with nothing to do Nothing to lose and it's you and me And I love the people and I don't know why I can't keep my eyes off of you and me And I love the people with nothing to do nothing to prove and it's you and me And I love the people and I don't know why off of you What day is it And in what my heart this clock never seemed so alive